there, Lindsay here, the Frugal Crafter. It's time for another podcast episode. And this time, I want to talk about craft supplies and art supplies and inflation because there's something that I've noticed over the last, oh, 25 years that I've been purchasing my own art supplies is that um, the prices really haven't gone up. And in a lot of cases, it's never been more affordable to be a crafter or an artist per item purchased. Obviously, there's a lot more supplies out there competing for our dollar and we can definitely go overboard in the stuff we buy. We're just paying less per item for these things. And there's a few reasons for this, but um, I thought it would be an interesting thing to talk about. And keep in mind, I'm not an economist. I'm not, um, I don't work for any of these companies. And I'm just, um, I'm just an artist that enjoys making art and, and uh, purchasing art supplies. And I have been for so long that I could actually run around and find a few things that had old price tags on it. So um, what I did actually, I knew that um, I would have to find some sort of supply that I would still have in my stash for the past 20 years and tubes of watercolor paint are great, especially if you have some colors that you don't use very often because you'd still have some left in the tube because it lasts so long. So I went digging through my uh, stash of watercolor paint and I found a couple tubes of Winsor & Newton watercolors. I found a tube of Opera Rose, which I still have about half a tube left. It was a 5 ml tube. And uh, when I purchased this, I loved the color, but I wasn't really that, um, informed or even interested in light fastness. And um, so after I learned a lot more about how, you know, displaying your artwork can affect the light fastness, I really was hesitant to use this paint too frequently. So I still had part of a tube and the price tag on this tube was $8.79. It is an old white Windsor Newton made in England watercolor tube from, I would say the late nineties, early two thousands when it was priced and it was purchased at a small independent art shop. Now that tube today, I just looked on Blick Art Materials. The list price of an Opera Rose 5 ml tube of paint is $11.30. So it really hasn't gone up that much when you consider the old list price was $8.79. Generally your independent stores would put list prices, MSRP on their, on their tubes. And uh, the Blick price that you would pay if you went to, to purchase it was $5.65, so actually less than what this was being sold at uh, for full list back. I would, I'm just gonna say around 2020, that's, I mean, 2010, uh, oh my gosh, the year 2000. That's what I'm, I'm basing my prices on because I know that's about when I picked up this tube. And so I put, I found an inflation calculator on the Bureau of Labor Statistics page and I typed in the price of 879 back in the year 2000. And what it should cost as of July, 2021 is $14.22. So what we'd actually pay for that at Blick would be $5.65. That is far, a far cry from uh, $14.22 is what it should cost if the paint's kept up with inflation. The list price isn't even that high. The list price is $11.30. So how come the list, the MSRP that nobody really buys it pays anymore hasn't even kept up with inflation. I thought that was kind of bananas. And then I found a tube of Cotman watercolors that I had because I would buy these a lot in the late 90s, early 2000s when I was teaching students. I would buy the Cotman paints and I would fill up my um, my students' palettes with them or top them off if they ran out. And this was a tube of lemon yellow, a nickel titanate um pigment which they don't sell anymore this was a series two cotman paint to be fair it's the only one i could find with a price tag on it 
And um, the price on this was $4.69 back in about the year 2000. And so I went on Blick and looked at the Cotman watercolors, which they have changed. They only have series one colors now. And um, I do know that know that they got rid of the cobalts and cadmiums from the line, but I didn't realize I got rid of like nickel titanate yellow and a bunch of the other series two colors, but they are charging $5.35 is their list. Now this list price back in 2000 was $4.69, so not really a big increase. And uh, Blick was selling all of the Cotman 8ML tubes for $3.37. Now, according to inflation, the list price of this tube of paint should be $7.59. But um, you never see Cotman paints priced that high. So it does appear that to avoid inflation, they have and avoid raising their prices. They have switched to using the much less expensive pigments uh, across the board. I thought it was just a safety thing and they had gotten rid of the cobalts and cadmiums for that. And that could have been the case. But um, it does seem like they have stopped using some more pricey pigments. And also between those tubes and now they have moved their factory a couple times. They used to be made in England. Those tubes say made in England on them. And uh, then they went to being moved, uh, made in France in 2011 and the Lafranc and Bourgeois plant. And then in, I think, 2017, 2016, 2017, they moved the Cotman line to be made in China. So the way they've avoided raising their prices over the years is to <clears throat> pay less for both the materials and the labor. Um, but I thought that was really interesting because as I look through pretty much my entire stash of supplies, I can say that um, the prices of the items have not really gone up over the years. Prismacolors are cheaper. I remember when I bought my set of 144 Prismacolors, it was an anniversary edition. It was back, um, it was before I had children, so it was late 90s, early 2000s, and I paid $100 and um, I had gotten quite a deal. That was a, that was a great deal at a local art supply store. The, the list on that was probably around 200 and I paid like either a hundred or right a little over a hundred dollars for that. And a couple of years ago, 2017, I purchased a set of 150 Prismacolor pencils for $59 on Amazon. So, I mean, that's crazy. If you look at like a hundred dollars, I can type it right into my inflation calculator. A hundred dollars back in 2000 would be $161.73 today. So what's up with that? I mean, obviously, Prismacolor used to be made in America, and then it switched its manufacturing to Mexico. So they are, you know, using probably cheaper labor, maybe cheaper materials. I really don't notice that much difference in the actual leads, but I have noticed that the like the casings have gotten thinner, um, and the pencils just the build quality isn't quite as good. But for all intents and purposes, you know, I, I feel like the lead is about the same and. It's a, it's a very similar product. So I just thought that was really interesting. And I don't know if part of the reason that art supplies haven't really risen in price and inflation is the, um, the increased competition. Because before you'd have to shop either in a big box. Uh, well, there really wasn't that many big box stores. You'd shop in a local art supply store because the big box stores would maybe carry like Bob Ross oil paints and, um, you know, whatever, whatever, like a mass produced brand would be. You might find the Winton um, oil paints. You wouldn't find Winsor Newton artist oil paints if you went to like Ames or Riches or Zayers or something like that. You would find just kind of like a very limited selection of student grade supplies. And as people started to learn about catalogs and then finally learning about these 
websites where you could buy things almost at the same price that that a retailers could purchase them for. Basically, you'd be able to purchase your supplies wholesale. Um, that's what people did. But even even then, the prices haven't gone up. Um, watercolor paper has risen. I've noticed that, but I don't think it's to the point of inflation if you're going by list prices, because I remember buying a single sheet of Arches watercolor paper for about $6 back in the early 2000s. Let's see what that would be. So I put $6 in my inflation calculator, $9.70. And I think if you were to buy a, well, that's, that's pretty close. I think it's probably closer to 7 or $8 if you were to buy a single sheet of, of Arches watercolor paper, or maybe $9.70 is about right. But I mean... Generally, though, colored pencils, Derwent colored pencils, they're about the same price I paid for them 10 years ago. I think that's really strange. I mean, I'm happy that we can find affordable affordable supplies, and there's certainly a lot of really good quality budget supplies on the market now. I mean, I can't believe the decent quality budget colored pencils I can find. But the other, on the other hand, what I've noticed is that like if I look at... Um, like the Prang colored pencils. I remember them being wonderful, like for students when I was teaching um, kids and adults back in the late 90s, early 2000s. And I picked up a set of Prang pencils recently because I was doing a showdown between kind of pencils you could find in an office supply store that were geared more towards like kids and, and students. And they were terrible. And I didn't know if I was misremembering or if they had changed. And then a viewer who had used Prang all through the years could confirm that they have changed over the years. So had, did they change and lower the quality because they couldn't afford to make them at that standards and not raise the prices enough? I don't know. I don't know. It certainly is is interesting. I, I can think back to my first watercolor brush, which is a flat aquarelle handled brush, and it cost $20 at Berry Stationaries in um, in Waterville, Maine. My, my mom got me that and the two other brushes I needed to begin watercolor painting when I was seven. So that would have been Oh, 1983, somewhere around there. And I remember thinking, wow, that's expensive. And that really would have been expensive. Let's just see what, what $20 in 1983 would have been. I love this inflation calculator. It's so fun. Kind of makes you um, really bummed out about like, if you like to keep money in a savings account though, doesn't it? Um, so, oh my gosh, $20 back in 1983 would be like $55 and 83 cents today. So can you imagine buying your child a brush that expensive? Um, but I can buy a Royal Aqualon half-inch flat brush. Well, I can just check that right now, probably. I don't know if Blick carries them. Let's see. No, they're not that much. But I really like the Royal and Nicole Aqualon brushes. I could buy a whole set of Aqualon flats for um, for twenty-two dollars and four cents. The list price, $34.99. So, I mean, not only is it less than inflation, but you can get a whole lot more. Um, though, now, I believe those are made in China, so it could be the difference of something being made in Europe or America or China. But it's kind of interesting. We're seeing inflation in everything except for art supplies, it seems. So I just thought that was interesting. I thought it was, um, I think it's also a matter of more people crafting and creating now than ever did before. So there's a lot more companies coming out with supplies. So there's a lot more competition. Uh, back in the, I would say the mid, oh, around, I would say around 2005, scrapbooking, stamping, all of that stuff was so popular that there was multiple trade shows a year. There was so many um, new products coming out. The big box stores were just chock-a-block full and there were so many sales and coupons and the prices were really um, were really coming down. 
before you would spend, you know, 59 cents for a sheet of paper. And then those big paper stacks came out that were $20, which seemed like a fantastic deal for like 120 sheets. And then they started going sale for like $10. And it was just like, oh my gosh, well, you know, how long can this last? And then it did seem like the market kind of fell out at some point, probably around, you know, 2015. And then they stopped putting out so much product because I think they kind of hit the tipping point where it wasn't selling or people had just hoarded so much that they could never use up what they bought. But yeah, the prices never rebounded. The prices never went up. I just purchased some single sheet pattern paper the other day and I paid 23 cents a sheet because it was on sale. And, um, you know, the list price used to be 59 cents back in the early 2000s and it was up to 79 cents. But I never pay that. I don't know if anybody actually pays that unless they just need one sheet of a very specific paper like right away. Um, so I just think it's really interesting. So what is the reason for this? Is, is the reason that we have more free trade now than we did before. I mean, that certainly could be it because before you had a very limited amount of supplies that you could pick from. If you were in America and you wanted to buy watercolors, you had the choice really between Windsor Newton Cotman or you had Windsor Newton artists. You didn't see so many other brands. You didn't see at your average local art supply store, they usually carried one line and one like brand of paint. They usually didn't find, um, you know, Grumbacher and Windsor and Newton and Sennelier and Schminka, you wouldn't find all of those brands. Most of these companies would, would require you to be exclusive. If you're going to sell their products, you would have to be exclusive to just their product. And I think it probably kept the prices higher because there wasn't competition. And then I remember when I first splurged on my first set of artist grade watercolor paints, and it was because a new line of paint had been brought into the local art supply store, Penobscot paint that I would shop at. And they had just brought in the M Graham watercolors. And I think they were brand new. This was like early 2000s, late 90s, maybe. It was it was before I had kids, but not too much before. And I remember the, the paints were 40% off list and they were big 15 ml tubes. And I think they were going for like around $5 a tube or $4.69 or something like that. And I asked the, uh, the shopkeep how much if I wanted to buy one of every color except for the blacks, black and white. And I think he gave it to me for like $4 a tube. And that's how, that's, those are my first professional paints. I still have some of those tubes. I have replaced them. I really love that brand of paint. Um, but yeah, I mean, I took a chance on those because I wanted artist quality, but I just couldn't stomach spending um, $8.79 for five ML tubes of Windsor and Newton. And um, it was just, uh, I took a gamble and they were great paints. And I think it, that was kind of the point where I started to see a lot more paints coming in. I, after that, purchased um, Yarka paints by the Jack Richardson company. And those are the equivalent to White Knights paints. And I'm thinking I bought this at a 24. It was a it was a sale. I'm thinking, I'm thinking I paid around $25. And then like right away they went up to like $75 for that set. Now they've been like uh, around the $50 mark range, I think, for the for those sets in America. But um yeah, it seems like early 2000s, we started to get a lot more options and a lot more supplies in from other countries. And whether or not in the long run, it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing for consumers, but I also think it has led us to not be content with what we have. It, it makes us want to keep experimenting and keep, which is a good thing, but it, it makes us 
want to keep buying and uh, and see if the grass is greener. And it's like, well, I have Windsor Newton paints, but maybe Sennelier paints are better or, or maybe Schmincke paints are better. Well, I never tried, you know, this color from this brand. And then we end up with so many supplies and something I've been thinking about a lot. I, I don't know if I discussed, I think we discussed it in the last podcast, but I was thinking about Earth Overshoot Day, which is the point in a year when we have consumed uh, more resources than our planet can um, can replace in a year. And I think of like, what is my craft overshoot day? What is the point where I have bought more supplies than I can use in my lifetime? I know it's kind of a morbid thought, but it's also something that, um, that I'm extremely interested in discovering. And I think I may have already hit it. I think that if I decided that now with my job, I do end up getting in a lot of products to review. I do purchase products I'm interested in to review to keep my um, my blog and my YouTube channel current so people can find out about these supplies before they spend their hard-earned money on it. I'm happy to do that. I have to say that I'm... I am an art supply consumer. I enjoy trying the different brands and often I get the opportunity to try them from brands uh, for free because they want their products reviewed or they want feedback on something. So it's really, I'm in a very lucky position, but I think like if I didn't, if I stopped spending, which I, I actually have been pretty good the last few weeks this month on not buying <laughs> any more supplies, um, which really, I mean, that really shouldn't be something to be that proud of. We should be able to do that. <laughs> But man, why is this so difficult? Uh, when I when I think about that and I look at my drawers of watercolor paints, I have them sorted by color family. Honestly, I could paint for probably the rest of my life without buying more paints. Maybe I'd have to buy, I'm sure I'd have to buy some extra tubes along the way, yellow ochre, ultramarine blue, burnt sienna. And usually what I do is I'll go to Blick and I'll purchase Da Vinci. That's usually what I buy when I run out of a color and I need to replace it. I'll get... Uh, I, the 37 ml tubes of da vinci if it's a pigment that i know i like a color i know i like i like their ultramarine blue i like their burnt sienna deep um i'll just buy that their yellow ochre because i really don't notice a big difference and that's a thing guys you know what i really if i'm looking at the same pigment number the same color there's not a humongous difference like i might slightly prefer daniel smith's french ultramarine because it's it's granulates a little bit better i might prefer da vinci's rose red just because it's so clean and affordable um yellow ochre i don't have much preference between brands so many colors like that i don't have much preference i prefer um i prefer m graham's viridian because it rewets pretty well but the more i'm learning about pigments the more i kind of wonder if maybe that's boosted a little bit more with some phthalo blue than other brands do uh but you know generally i don't if you're if you're in the the professional range of paints, I don't notice a huge difference. Now some paints will rewet better because they have more honey in them, and that can make them problematic for traveling. Like my my um, Mission Gold, my Sennelier, and my M Grams are not the best in a travel palette where the palette might be on its edge in a bag in a humid environment because the paints could tend to travel a little bit. Um, but for studio work, I you know I just grab a palette that I feel like painting with. I don't really feel like there's that much difference. I will say that I really love the Lucas 1862 watercolors, their professional line for any figure or portraiture work because it is so easy to render skin tones with that set. I don't know why it just, it just sings when you're painting people. Uh, it's just a, such a soft and, um, Oh, I don't know if blendable is the right word. It's just a, it's just a muted, soft palette that works so well for portraiture. Um, but 
beyond that, I mean, I love Turner's watercolors for their affordability. Uh, you know, there it's really tough to to top Turner for for value for value for money. But I mean, if, if you take what you're paying out of the equation for these paints, so many of them are equivalent. I guess the, I do like having reviews on different supplies. I like to try them because I have viewership all over the world. So if you live in, you know, if you live in the Ukraine and you can buy Rosa watercolors for $2 a pan, there's no point of you buying, you know, Schminka for, I don't know, $10 for half pan or, or whatever it is. You know, there's no point of you buying an American like Daniel Smith for 10 times the price when you're getting really an equivalent paint, just staying with what is ever, whatever's in your region that's affordable. I know Schminka is affordable in Germany. It's pretty expensive here in America. So I only have, um, I only have like 12 colors of the Hordam paints because they are, they're kind of, it's kind of more expensive than it's worth for me when I can access equivalent paints at a lower cost. So I guess for research purposes, it's kind of nice to have all those those paints, but I think that it's really forced, it's really kind of um, turned people that were more artists into consumers. And I think that's a shame because, well, speaking of shame, it causes us a lot of shame when we overbuy and we overconsume and we spend more time trying to decide what to paint with versus just deciding what to paint or just actually painting. All that time is wasted weeding through all of the supplies we have, all of the options that we have. I think it's easier to be creative with fewer options. So I think one of the things I'm going to do, I have sorted all of my open stock tubes by color and color families, but I have a few sets that are in boxes that I think I need to uh, break up into color family tubes. I would like to end my journey on this earth, hopefully far, far, far in the future by using up most of my supplies and, you know, just having like one palette left that I work out of and, uh, and minimize to that point, because it certainly is a lot to keep track of. Even, even after doing the big KonMari purge of 2017, I still find that I'm not the type of person, I, I do love having the options, but I'm not the type of person that can keep track of of so much. And I'm looking at the, I have an over the door paint organizer and I'm in my, my uh, filming room downstairs and I'm looking at that and I have a lot of my open stock oil paints and I have a lot of the really large Winton tubes that I used to buy when I taught um, adult oil painting classes. And I'm looking at those and I'm saying, you know, I could paint for the rest of my life. For the amount of oil painting I do, I have enough to last me as long as it doesn't dry out in the tube, which I don't find oil paints really dry out in the tube too easily. Um, and watercolors, if they do dry in the tube, you can cut the tube away and plop it in your palette and it's good for forever. Acrylics, I don't keep a lot of acrylics on hand because they do have a shorter shelf life. And I found that I really love the golden open acrylics. And I think if I buy any more, I'm just gonna buy the golden open because they really work well for me. They stay wet longer so I can get the effects that I want to. But um, if I'm jelly printing or doing stuff like that, I'll use the cheap acrylics. Um, my kids keep my acrylic stash constantly rotated because that's the type of paint they prefer. So they, they've used up a lot of my older Liquitex and, and uh, uh, just random tubes of acrylics that I've had over the years that I've had sent that have been sent to me to review. So I don't know if this topic is going to be interesting <laughs> to anybody, but it was something I was thinking about and, um, and I thought I would share it. So if you want something to do for fun, look through your stash and see if you have some old supplies with price tags on them, and then go to the Bureau of Labor Statistics um, inflation calculator and type in like the year that you select the year you think you bought it and the price it was and see what they go for now and see if it goes for as much as it really should if 
these prices kept up with inflation. Now, from starving artists everywhere, I am glad that paint prices have stayed affordable. Either they were really overpriced back then, which could be the case, or um, companies are struggling now to to pay their um, to pay their manufacturing costs. I don't know. I don't like the thought of of companies struggling, especially if they provide really good solid materials. Um, but I could definitely see how the quality in some of these products could be going downhill. A lot of people said that the quality of Windsor and Newton artist watercolors went downhill when they moved factories from England to France. Um, I didn't find a big difference between the Cotman's that I've had, the Cotman's made in England, Cotman's made in France or Cotman's made in China, with the exception of the fact that I really like the genuine pigments that were made in England and they're not available anymore. So, um, so with the extension, with the extent of that, if I'm comparing paint to paint that are the same colors that are colors that are still current, I don't find it any difference, but it seems like they've weeded out the more expensive to produce colors. And I know some colors go quote unquote extinct, but it's not as, um, it's not as dramatic as paint companies would have you believe. Um, when quinacridone gold went out of production and Daniel Smith bought the remaining stores, it's not that like there was some mine somewhere that dried up. It's just that that color went out of fashion for appliance and automotive makers. So they stopped ordering or having that pigment made for them. Art, art companies are the last rung on the ladder as far as pigment producers or pigment, um, pigment customers. The pigments that are available for um, for art suppliers to buy are the ones that are made for plastics, the automotive industry and the appliance industry. We are bottom of the rung. After everybody else gets their share that they want, they sell the remaining pigments to pigment makers, uh, to art suppliers. So they could make quinacridone gold pigment again. If it the if the if and when the um, <clears throat> the demand for that color comes back for automotive that pigment will be back. It's not like it was depleted from a mine never to be seen again. Like it's not something that came from the earth. Most of our pigments are synthetic, even synthetic, synthetic mineral pigments and synthetic organic pigments. Um, and they're more reliable. We actually have better paints now, I think, than they had back, you know, in the 1800s when the Impressionists were painting. So you can be thankful for that. So try not to get too influenced in the marketing hype from some of these companies that if you don't buy it now, you'll never be able to get it. You know, they can make it again. It's not like it can never be made again. But uh, anyway, that's some food for thought. I hope this podcast maybe made your chores go a little quicker. Maybe you're listening when you're walking. That's what I listen. I listen when I walk the dog to other podcasts. And uh, maybe it's just a friendly voice in your ear. And I'm happy to be that. So thanks for watching or watching. Thanks for listening to my podcast. Like I mentioned before, I really don't know what I'm doing, but uh, it's fun and I'm enjoying it. So I appreciate you taking some of your time out of your day to uh, spend it with me. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Until next time, happy crafting. Bye now.